Welcome back, Linka Podcast. Today we have Sahil from um, Demonic Resurrection. So tell me, how does a, a person living in India become a death metal musician? Well, um, pretty much the same way anyone in the West does as well, I guess, you know. You discover the music through one way or another, and then you fall in love with the genre and Metal is the kind of genre that makes you want to write your own music. And uh, that's pretty much what happened to me. Um, in school, I was introduced to metal by my friends. And uh, we were all like really into bands like Metallica, Fear Factory, Pantera. And uh, all of us decided that we would learn an instrument once we finished with our uh, high school. And... Uh, yeah, we, we just did that and, and I was the only one that kind of took it a step forward and actually formed a band and started writing and recording uh, albums. But yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. So you guys were out of high school when you all first started le- learning how to play the instruments? Yeah, so I, I'm actually, I think, well, we call it uh, 10th grade in India. I'm not sure if that's high school. I think high school is 12th grade, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, we let our first school is from one to ten, basically. So after your tenth grade, you go to what is called junior college. I think that is high school, right? For y'all. Uh, yeah, we go to uh, so we go K through eight, and then uh, nine through twelve is uh, high school. Ah, okay. So we have high school basically broken up into uh, the last two years of high school is uh, junior college for us. So. Basically, before I went to junior college, that's when we all started learning our instruments. So we were basically 16 at the time. 15 or 16, yeah. I got you. So how many albums have you guys had? Well, through with Demonic Resurrection, it's been uh, five albums, one EP and one live album uh, in the 22 years that we've been around. But uh, I have done about, I think, three solo albums plus two solo EPs plus I had a comedy rock band uh, about like 10 years ago that had two albums out as well and then I had a death metal project which had uh, two albums as well and an EP so oh yeah and I'm also part of another death metal band that's uh, based out of the the US I keep forgetting about this band because I just joined like four years ago but yeah, I do the vocals. They're called Solus X in Forest. So they've put out one album and we've done one EP as well. And we have a new one dropping uh, on the 15th of April uh, this year. So, yeah. So how did you guys come up with y'all's uh, names in the band? Because you have a really cool name. So the the band was basically... Uh, so I was the one who came up with the name and and what kind of genre I wanted to play. Basically, me and a friend from school, you know, one of the guys who was also learning the guitar with me, his name was Sunil. So he came over to my house one day and he's like, dude, you got to check this out. And he plays me a song that he recorded on his own, like drums, guitar, vocals. And my mind was blown. I was like, you got to show me how to record these songs. And that's kind of how I started writing my own music. So I was, I was doing that and I was always looking for band members and I kind of sat down and decided, okay, look, I want a band and I want to play like, you know, sort of black death metal with keyboards and maybe have a bit of the female vocal style, you know, because I was listening to a lot of bands like Theater of Tragedy, Lacuna, Coil. And I sort of really liked the demonic imagery, like, you know, that whole Lord of the Rings, the orcs and the elves and all that kind of stuff. So I actually... Like demon was the word I, I had thought of. So, you know, something with demons. And I just, I, I literally sat with a thesaurus and and somehow came up with demonic resurrection. And I at that time, I don't think there was Google. There was some other search engine. But I went online and I looked to see if there were any bands with the name demonic resurrection. And since there weren't any, I was like, yeah, this is good. I got you. And then your name in the band is Demon Stealer, right? Yes. And that's, yeah. And I saw that. I was like, man, that is cool as shit. So how did you come up with that name for yourself? So I basically listened to a lot of black metal at the time. Like I got really into Dimmu Borgir, Cradle of Filth, Old Man's Child, um, that whole Norwegian metal scene. 
and everyone there had like a stage name and i loved the idea of having a different persona on stage and off stage you know right cuz uh, cuz if you meet me as well most people and this was a common thing i heard throughout most of my life it's like oh man you're so different off stage you're like so soft spoken and nice and on stage you're like fucking you're like <laughs> you know you're like screaming and shouting and like you're a totally different person so at that point in time i was not very well read to be honest like i hadn't read lot of the rings i hadn't uh, really read much about you know mythology which is where a lot of uh, the norwegian musicians take their names from so oh, okay i i really couldn't come up with anything like super cool at that point so i i i was stuck with demon stealer and demon slayer and i think demon slayer was a little cheesier than i would have liked so i went with demon stealer i got you um so how did you guys decide you're going to play um songs about hindu gods obviously you are you hindu okay so yeah i i <laughs> Okay so I am born a Hindu but I'm an atheist I don't believe in god and I absolutely hate religion and everything to do with it um the thing with the album that you're talking about dash avatar yeah um that actually was largely you know we we did have a couple of key members in the band which was me and the keyboard player mephisto um who were sort of the longest uh, running members and the album that we did before dashavtar we kind of uh, explored the possibility of doing something uh, related to mythology cuz a, a friend of the keyboard player mephisto had written a book which was a modern day interpretation of the ramayana mythological mythological textbook um, which it was about nuclear war and stuff but using things from the ramayana and he wanted me to write the album based on that and i wasn't too keen so i kind of just made my own story up but for the artwork we did kind of have that uh, sort of uh, the again it's the main characters in the ramayan ram uh, the god and uh, ravan the the demon so we kind of used that char- those characters just as a baseline for my story which i wrote and uh, the imagery of the artwork was kind of indian so to speak um and then after that well i basically had a conversation with my wife and she told me the story of uh, narsimha which is one of the avatars of uh, the hindu god vishnu and it's a really brutal story you know and i was like pretty intrigued with it and i was like um, you know it's we, like i was never told these stories growing up and they were certainly never depicted in this really brutal way because if you go online and if you look for uh the old uh, sort of television shows where they took these stories and they sort of recreated them they are really cheesy the graphics are horrendous the acting is obnoxious so it <laughs> it was something that i like i just it was not my cup of tea but the stories she told me were interesting to me and um, so that's why we said you know what let's do this album it sounds like uh an interesting idea we can do 10 songs you know about each about an avatar of vishnu and that's how dash avatar came about uh of course you know i tried to make sure that um it was very clear that we were just telling the stories as they were and it's not really worship of any kind like that's why at the beginning of the album there's a monologue uh, which is there you know to kind of emphasize how man has made demons and man has made gods and that's how the album ends also you know i got you. so are you guys still um performing around india and going on tour and stuff no uh so i actually kind of went through a bit of a uh, you could call it a midlife crisis maybe around 2018 i was very disillusioned with the music scene in india as well as just the struggle of trying to book a decent tour uh in europe or uk or even america like it's just very very hard and you know like uh we're kind of in that space where we're neither underground enough to be part of the the really sort of uh, obscure uh scene and we're not mainstream enough to kind of join the big boys you know so we 
we were like stuck in no man's land and you all the tour offers that came in were like buy on so you have to pay like 15000 euros to play a tour and i i just generally was very disillusioned with the struggle of of you know trying to do something with the music so i had actually said that the band was going to do its last shows in india and actually after 2018 we haven't played in india uh, we did do a uk tour in 2019 and honestly even that just like at the end of it i was like i don't know if this is worth it and then you know the pandemic hit and i kind of just figured out that yeah i don't think i i want to even look at the prospect of playing live till 2023 2024 cuz i knew then that you know covid was going to take time and even once things started to normalize it was never going to be uh like secure enough for me to be able to try and book shows and stuff because you know to apply for a visa and like with the with the uncertainty of you know like uh, things happening like they are right now it just didn't make any sense you know like there are some bands that are touring there is actually an indian band on tour right now in europe uh, called system house 33 but for me it was a risk i could not take cuz again like i have my own set of issues so i was like just i'm done till 2024 at least i think Yeah, like COVID really did shut the world whole world down, especially in the music in the entertainment industry because nobody was able to go anywhere. Bands had to, you know, they they couldn't they couldn't make money. And if you're a yeah, band absolutely. that if, and if you if you're a band that's, you know, making money per show or whatever and that's how you were living and boom, all of a sudden that's all you had and you don't make it you dead in the water, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the case for all musicians across the board who are not, uh, you know, like a Beyonce or a Jay Z or right, whatever. Like, right. You know, like or a Metallica or a Black Sabbath, like because the, there are bands and musicians who who like survive gig to gig, like you know, and I mean, like the I think most of them just shifted to trying to do lessons online or do sessions work. So, but it's definitely a huge struggle for a lot of uh, people. You know, for for most of for I think I would say for. pretty much every single metal musician in india at least it, it's not a big deal because nobody is making a living playing music uh, everyone's mm. doing music as a hobby so nobody lost their livelihood you know uh, so that was a i mean that's something that like it's very different here whereas i guess in in the states and europe you know a lot of the smaller level bands who kind of you know do like the odd jobs here and there and then tour and and also i think in, in the west people generally live a lot of a lot more paycheck to paycheck than they do in india in india like everyone saves and has family and like you know savings and all that which which definitely at least help the the more privileged section of society here for sure well that's true because over year like you just said most people or in america i should say most people are living paycheck to paycheck and it's kind of it's your immediate family like you and your brother or like you know whoever you're living with or whatever and that's yeah. it you know you're not you're not you can't rely on other people but in India the way the structure is like it's like you know it's a unit everyone is together everyone lives together everybody saves together yeah. everybody spends together you know yeah and he, and even if they don't live together cuz like a lot of people now nowadays move away from their parents but as long as you come from a sort of um slightly privileged background or economically better background that the mindset has always been that parents are saving for not just themselves but for their kids and their kids kids they like try to save like at least for three generations yeah. of family you know so it there's always like some kind of that like something to fall back on for most people at least i think who are in 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 the sort of better off economic bracket but yeah even in india there was man when when the when the lockdowns hit i mean the people died walking home like it was bad here like the poorer people who were stuck the laborers who do like the construction work and do the you know like the 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 sort of um, blue collar jobs and the more you know uh, physical labor like those guys were in, in bad shape yeah. yeah that that it just sucks our we have a friend here in Memf- in, in well not in memphis but he lives in nashville tennessee now uh They were fixing to go on like a big tour with a couple of big bands, and they they just they pulled the plug, you know, right when COVID happened. I think they were supposed to leave in like May of 2020, and next uh-huh. thing you know, I mean they they have they don't they still don't know to this day when they're going on tour. I talked to them the other day, yeah. and you know they just don't know. Nobody wants. Yeah, to and that's commit. the thing, right? Like the ri- yeah, the risk is too much. So everyone's like, I think 
you know you can reschedule a tour once maybe twice after twice you you, ha- you just got to cancel it and just wait till like there's a less less of a risk factor you know do you think do you think that it's going to you know you know how people say we have to we're never going back to normalcy or whatever do you ever think yeah. that covid's going to run its course and then it's going to be go time because you're over here uh, some states some states in america they they they, they just don't yeah. give a fuck like you know me and my yeah me and my buddies have been to florida twice and you know, it was just like like not like there was oh, yeah. a pandemic going on yeah i know that so i like i think it it's it's definitely not going back to normal anytime in the next 5 years i think um i i just think that it's it's kind of going to it's going to come to a point where people are like look we need to do business so there will be mandates in place and those who sort of don't you know like you know band guys who are like oh i'm not going to take the vaccine because it's a big pharma or some bullshit like that <laughs> yeah. uh, they just they just going to lose work and you know at at some point like you're just going to have to because because that's that is a very real thing you know like there's only so much of a risk uh you know you should be willing to take at the end of the day because the fact is like it's not just the flu that people talk about like we've seen people like i think all by now everyone's got somebody or the other they know who's had far uh you know like greater effects from covid than you know people like think you have so like yeah i i think it's it's going to be a while before we are back to that completely like relaxed atmosphere where it's going to be like uh you know like oh yeah where we can just walk around anywhere do anything no i think now actually is when you're going to see a lot of bands disband a lot of venues maybe might shut down and you see like the 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 bands that can afford to take that risk they'll be the ones kind of doing the tours and maybe the smaller bands will stick to you know what is local and what they can do but yeah definitely um, it's it's going to it's it's not going back to normal i think for another couple of years at least what's your uh, what's your favorite song that you've written oh, man that keeps changing <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 most recent one is always uh a favorite i guess we have a song that's actually coming out in 3 days time on the 15th uh, it's called the eye of eternity i, I think that's one of my favorite uh, dr songs but i guess that's also the most recent song that's been written but uh, <clears throat> if i have to sort of go back to our old catalog and find something um, it's very hard to pick man it's like <laughs> i, I think maybe Yeah and and each song is different like some of them are more melodic some are more thrashy some are more death metals you know so um so like there's a different song for every mood but i i think i think from from like the absolute back catalog apocalyptic dawn is kind of the song that is it, it it's it's our sort of song that is the um was the first defining song that we had so that, i think that's definitely one of my favorites and probably uh from the return to darkness album a tragedy befallen those two songs i think definitely uh would be uh, some of my favorite dr tracks i got you so i saw you know i obviously googled and got some info from you about you and stuff like i saw that you were living with your family until like last year yeah what made you decide to move out um so well couple of reasons i mean the first one being that uh, after well 38 years i could finally afford to live on my own uh, right. and i decided to uh, cuz again you know like i i am actually one of the few people who uh de- like literally i said this is what i want to do with the rest of my life is make music and if 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 you want to make death metal in india you kind of going to have to make some sacrifices and one of those was actually living with my parents um and uh and I, for me it was no big deal because i had my studio there and and i contributed you know like i paid my parents not rent but i i paid for the household expenses because my parents own the flat so they don't pay rent either so you know i just i just contributed to the household expenses and and that was good enough for them as well uh, and then with the pandemic i think also you know everyone was working from home and and it's kind of difficult because in india we all live in apartments so it's a two bedroom apartment you know uh, my mom is there my dad is in the hall doing his auditions my wife is in the hall trying to do her office work i'm sitting in my room and i'm trying to shoot in in my kitchen for my youtube channel and right. there's noise from my dad <laughs> and so you know it's it's a lot and you in your head 24/7 like we were in each other's head 24/7 so i said you know what like maybe now is not a bad time to just 
go out, get a place for a year and see how it goes, you know, like while I can afford it and, you know, my YouTube channel is doing fairly well. Let me do it and and I'll take it from there. You know, if it's good, I'll, I'll, I'll keep living on my own. If it doesn't work out, I can always come back home, you know. Right. So that was the idea. Yeah. So, so about, so about two years ago, maybe three years ago, I can't remember. Um, I got on YouTube and I started Googling keto recipes, right? Yeah. And can you first tell us before we get to that, how did you start your channel and what's it called? So my channel is called Headbangers Kitchen and I started it in 2011, actually. Uh, I started it as, um, like I said, I, I pretty much dedicated my life to my band and making death metal music. So I started the channel to kind of fuse my love for food and music together. And it everything I did in my life, uh, right from my record label to my studio, everything in some way ties back to me and the band. So it is in some way, uh, it's, it is promotion for the band that I, I have. So uh, I, I was quite excited that DR had just shot uh, our first music video. And that time YouTube had just started to, uh, become big in India because everyone started getting broadband connections. And I was watching like these crazy YouTube channels that were doing like food videos. So there was ba- a barbecue pit boys, these guys, I think from Texas, and they were doing like full hog barbecue and uh, crazy meat stuff, which I love. And then there was Epic Meal Time, uh, who I'm sure you might have heard of. Uh, they do these crazy eating challenges and they were making things like you take a a duck and you stuff the duck in a chicken and you stuff the chicken in a turkey and you stuff the turkey in a pig <laughs> wow. and then you cover the pig in bacon and you bake it. <laughs> yeah. So they did insane things like this. Uh, and I was like, you know, I, I was doing recipes anyway on Facebook cause I, I got a camera phone a few years earlier and I I've always loved food and cooking. So I was, whenever I cooked, I used to post my recipe with a picture just casually so I said, you know, let me just make videos about it. And I asked the guy who directed the demonic resurrection video saying, you know, will you help me shoot this? And he said, yeah, I will. But let's do something a little more than just a recipe video. So that's how we sort of thought of the idea for Headbangers Kitchen. So I would cook a dish that was inspired by a band. And then the band would be interviewed by me on the show. And then they would taste the food. So that was the concept of Headbangers Kitchen. and. Uh, I did that for about four or five years. Uh, The production company that I was working with in the start, they left after seven or eight episodes. Then I started doing it on my own. Then I crowdfunded one season of it. And I got to interview people like George Colius from Nile, Lamb of God, Gojira, um, you know, all the big names that came to India. I was able to interview them and make food for them, which was great for me. But after five years, I think I had like some 5,000 subscribers and, you know, videos on average would get like 2000 views. And I, I basically never got a penny for anything. So I was like, I'm putting so much effort into this. And like, after five years, there's nothing really happening with it. So I was like, I'd rather just focus on spending the same amount of effort and energy into making the music. Um, so at that point, I said, I'll still film cooking videos because I do enjoy cooking and I decided I would do all the shooting, editing myself. So earlier I was, I had a team, I had a a cameraman, I had lights. We would take out, we would empty out my uh, living room and we would set up a gas stove over there. And like, we actually did like a whole production. Uh, And and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to shoot in my kitchen with one camera. And I started doing that. And since I was on the keto diet, I think it was the end of 2015 or 2016, uh, I just, I was like, man, I'm eating pizza made out of cauliflower. So I have to film this. And that's literally where it kicked off from Headbangers Kitchen. And I think I was just in the right place at the right time. And suddenly in like six months, my channel had exploded. Uh, I remember I was with some of one of these, you know, YouTube uh, partner companies that sort of takes your channel and optimizes it and all that. And um, they didn't do really much for me. And I also had no intention to be a YouTuber. So um, you know, I, I told them, look, I'm doing these videos now on my own and I don't need you guys. So let's cancel the contract. And sure enough, they sent me a check of a hundred dollars saying, cool, that's what you have earned since 2011. So I was like, great. Five years of work. I got a hundred dollars. Cool. Wow. Next month on YouTube, I made $115. I was like, what? I was like, that's nuts. Like five years of YouTube and I made hundred dollars. 
one month on my own now i've made 100 next month i made 150 then 200 i was like i my mind was blown and and subscriber count went up views went up people were commenting on the videos they were like give us more keto recipes the recipes are awesome and yeah within a year's time i was able to quit my day job uh, and uh, do youtube full time yeah cuz currently uh last time i looked you have like almost 700,000 subscribers on youtube that's insane man yeah 650 it's not it's not it's not very close to 70 yet okay well i mean what is it 662 or something like that yeah um, 662 i like to run it up it's uh, you know but um so when we started making the keto videos you knew that was where where your channel is going to go and stay right yeah i mean not like the the entire first year was kind of me still figuring out things so i did keto for 3 months myself i made videos then i did like this vegan vlog for 2 weeks then i did some uh, more keto recipes because i was getting messages then i did some vlogs then i did some other random like dessert two ingredient ice cream and mug cakes and all but while i was doing those i was getting more and more requests for keto videos so by the time i think 2016 got over or whenever i had started now i can't even remember the dates but by the time that first year was over i pretty much realized that okay the keto thing is is my is my usp and and i'm just going to roll with it you know right and yeah by the way i love your recipes and on that you've posted and stuff like that i use them all the time i send oh, them to my friends awesome. and stuff like that um thank you so why did you why did you stop uh making the keto videos and doing keto so i i haven't stopped making the keto videos yet though um so the thing with with me is i i'm not like from i'm one of those people who lives to eat so for me to be on a diet as restrictive as keto just it's a, at some point it stopped working you know like even if i go back now and i look at my behavior uh, like i told you i started doing keto i did it for 3 months then i took a break then i came back to it again and then i i think i stayed on it a lot because i was like i've never been on keto for more than 3 months at a stretch ever Oh, okay. you know, yeah. I mean, it is so. Very, it yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so because like I l- love food, so you know, I would go on a vacation with my wife, and I'm not going to go to Bangkok and not eat, you know, the the local cuisine. Um, then whenever you go on tour, like again, there it's like, you know, you're just you you finished your gig and you're out at one in the morning. You're stopping at a gas station. The only thing open is a McDonald's or a Burger King. You just you just eat, and I think also. like the the fact that keto is so rigid that like you, you basically have to be in ketosis like unlike say a low carb diet where there's no real like low carb can be anything you can eat a slice of bread and call it low carb because it's less than eating maybe four slices which you would normally eat right like there's no uh, metabolic state that you have to be in to qualify for keto so to speak so i think for me i just i, I reached a point where i was just bouncing in and out of keto like i I have like a, if there's a family gathering or I go out to meet friends, have two drinks, you're high, you eat some carbs, and next day you wake up, you're like, oh, okay, I've already eaten and screwed up the diet, so why don't I just eat carbs today? Next thing you know, it's been a week, and then you're like, okay, okay, you know, I got to get back to keto. Then you do it for a week, then something else happens, and then you're like, oh, okay. So a lot of my my time actually, while I was like doing keto, it was it was always on and off, and then I think it was 2018. I did two tours in the UK and on both trips I actually stayed back in the UK I think for a week or two if I'm not mistaken and I literally stayed back with the intention of eating so in 2018 I think I think that's the year I literally gained back every single kilo I had ever lost on keto how much weight did you and lost I I think I so I I started keto when I was 76 kilos uh and the lowest weight i ever reached was 64 kilos when i had done carnivore so i think like like basically the lowest i ever was 64 so there's 6 and 6 about 12 kilos i guess yeah i think my maths is correct yeah 12 kilos which is about i think 30 pounds or 24 pounds or something like that 26 28 pounds yeah yeah it's it's really hard 
to do. I mean, you know, unless you're around your kitchen and you plan ahead, staying in ketosis, yeah, and, and staying in ketosis is really hard. I mean, because and also again, it's your lifestyle, right? Like for me, I'm constantly cooking. So, I mean, my whole job is to cook and eat and to you know make new recipes. So if I was trying a new dish, like if I went to Bangkok for a holiday, I want to try it. I need to eat the original thing to kind of have some reference, like what I'm making, you know. Right, and I'll go ahead, Aunt Lunar. This my yeah. So I, I yeah. So I also think I, I think again as a person. I need creative freedom. Like I can't, like, even if you hear DR's music, like I said, you know, we have, our songs sound so different, even though they're all in the same like ballpark of what is demonic resurrection. But like, it's not uh, like, like a band, like say a DSI or a cannibal corpse uh, where you can like, every song is more or less like in the same space, you know, like it's very, um, like the you, the genre is very clear. Like it is death metal straight up. In DR, you'll hear like some melodic parts. There'll be some groovy parts. There'll be some blast beats, and that's always been because I have a, I have trouble. Like like basically, even if my ha- my handwriting is not the same, if I have to write an entire page of something, you will see my handwriting change about three times. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So I kind of I feel like I was able to realize that this is my personality. Like I can't just stick to one rigid thing and do that, you know, like maybe if I was working a nine to five job, uh, I would have probably been uh, much, it would have been much easier for me to stick to keto. So I guess I I also like look at other YouTubers. So I was uh, watching again, that's my job now to watch YouTube and see what everyone's doing. So I would watch all these people doing these strange food challenges. You know, I ate only this food for so many days and I, I felt like I wanted to try all this stuff. So I started, I think in 2017, 2019 I want to say or 2018 I don't remember no man my brain is like <laughs> I think I think 2019 maybe I started Headbanger Eats a separate channel and I just <laughs> I kind of like tried to do that and then and you know the thing with keto is it's like a lot of the community was like at that point like you've abandoned us and you're why aren't you doing like I actually put out a video saying I quit keto and the backlash was so much I actually put the video unlisted and just put it off oh wow yeah I, but but they didn't i mean these are the same people that were so grateful that you were posting all the videos because i read some of the comments on the, your videos and there people are very very thankful for your videos on the on the yeah, majority so, yeah so the, i would say on the majority like i very rarely get like negative comments about anything but that video in particular it you know it may not have even been the volume, but there were enough of them that I was just a bit shook by it, and I was like, I don't know if I made the right decision. And you know that also the thing is on YouTube, you are you are a slave to the algorithm. You are a slave to you know you wake up, you check your analytics, and there's like, oh, this video is not doing as well as other videos. Okay, so you're constantly like, what can I do? And it makes creators, and I'm sure you notice this. Like we have sort of. Almost like if you don't have a clickbaity title and thumbnail, like it's hard to get people to watch your videos even, you know? Right. But like, it's like, like so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was like, even like, like it just, you put things out in those ways, you know, like you, you even if you don't intend it, like it's, it's just kind of there always. Yeah. So that's another question I'm going to ask. Is it, is it hard for you to create content for your page? Um. So in general, not really, but like, uh, so I've had a bit of trouble, I guess. I, again, I don't know if this is just, you know, the evolution of the YouTube algorithm, whether me making that announcement that I quit keto had something to do with it, but, or maybe it's just the fact that, you know, when you have uh, a diet related channel, this is just how it is because diets are just this way. But like, if you look at, my YouTube stats, they're quite poor in comparison to say most YouTubers, like for a channel that has 650,000 subscribers, uh, my videos, the new recipes, keto or otherwise, um, they barely reach 20,000 views, which is not even 10% of the audience on the channel, you know? So a lot of the last year or so last year, year and a half has been a bit of a struggle, uh, you know, between being conflicted about me not doing keto myself. What does my audience want? What do I, as a, 
creative person want to do you know trying to find that balance is something that i can't say i've really succeeded at so i have kind of just made sure that whatever i'm doing on the side trying to experiment with i keep the keto recipes coming just because it's it's still kind of the usp of the channel even though it's it's headbangers kitchen it's not headbangers keto kitchen uh, and you know there is a core audience of about 4 5000 people who are like we watch every video we don't care if you're keto or not so uh, that's always there so like but still trying to just figure out you know what do i need to do and what is you know the future for my channel what's your engagement like like on a uh, tiktok or do you even use tiktok or instagram uh oh fuck instagram is i yeah man instagram is like uh, it just makes me want to put my head in a bucket of water <laughs> it's so bad it's so bad uh, so tiktok is banned in india uh, so okay. i i have managed to register as a vpn uh, like using a vpn so i can only post using the desktop of tiktok mm. uh, desktop version um so i mean i to create that kind of content on non monetized platforms this doesn't make sense for me given the amount of things i do so i i i occasionally post videos on tiktok if if something happens great but i'm not going to it's not my priority and i don't spend much time on it i i think i have maybe 1500 followers on on tiktok i think so the only thing i think that's a good about tiktok is that it puts you in people's feeds that aren't even following you though So I don't know yeah, how definitely. long that algorithm will stay that way but as far as engagement you can get a lot of views from random people. Yeah, that's people. the reason I started TikTok as well like I took the effort to see if I could start a TikTok despite it being banned in India. Um but I I again like that's just there and it's 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 doing its own thing. You know if it if it clicks and if it introduces some more people to Headbangers Kitchen that's great. Yeah. Instagram on the other hand is just collapse like Only thing I, I have an account. Only thing I think about good about uh, Instagram is the Reels, because uh, Reels is kind of like um, TikTok. TikTok. Basically, everyone copied TikTok. First, Instagram yeah. started Reels. Now, YouTube is doing Shorts. Yeah. So everyone's on that uh, short format game. So Instagram, even despite creating Reels, like the Headbangers Kitchen account has, it's it's in the same. I I think it's worse than YouTube. Like. I think at one point when I had forty thousand followers on Instagram, I would get at least a thousand likes to twelve hundred to fifteen hundred, sometimes even two thousand likes on a normal food photo of a new recipe or something like that. Now, if I get two hundred, I'm lucky. Mm. Like that drop, and I and my followers have doubled. You know, and I've also posted reels. I regularly post reels. So I, you know, I realized okay, Instagram doesn't care about photos; they're focused on reels. So I followed that, but I don't know. I again, like I said, it could just be the fact that it's a diet channel and it's very specific. So you know, like people may follow the the page today and then tomorrow they have fallen off the keto wagon, so they stop looking at it. Mm. Uh, maybe there are you know like vegetarians, so when they see a, a a meat recipe, they're like we're not interested, so they just scroll past. Maybe it's somebody who. you know is not interested in say thai food so if there's a thai recipe they don't care maybe it's an indian person who they see me post like shrimp and grits they don't care so i i'm i'm assuming that these are all factors in it but yeah the instagram is absolutely terrible in fact i have a non keto account which has 5000 followers and my reach on that profile is actually better than my headbangers kitchen account which has 84000 followers it's bizarre yeah do you think they slow down they affect the algorithm because they want people to start paying for like to boost it and buy ads and stuff or something i mean see there there's always a uh, a a slowdown that is there because they do want you to pay to some extent but there's always a hack around that because see instagram also wants to make sure that good content is served to people and people are on the platform so that could be the other thing you know it could be that maybe what i'm doing is is not hitting that spot i don't use trending songs uh, and things like that in my reels so maybe that's the other thing um but I, i don't think there's any like deliberate attempt like a lot of people get into these conspiracy theory mindsets that oh instagram is shadow banning people and like definitely they do reduce reach and things like that so that you do advertise and do pay to some extent but if you have a good piece of content they won't necessarily block it because they 
again, there's nobody sitting there, you know, behind like, all right, who can I, you know, pick on today? It's all algorithmic, algorithmic base. If people hit like on your content, like, like I said, I have another account, the Headbanger Eats account, which is doing way better. And I guess maybe that content has just found an audience and it's connected with that audience. Whereas, you know, the keto diet, just because it's a key, it's a diet, people are constantly falling off the wagon off. It's not getting that regular engagement that, uh, say, maybe uh, a, a, a celebrity or a personality will get, you know. As a creator, do you get discouraged by the lack of engagement? Yes, I I am doing my absolute best to not have that happen. Like I, I actually wrote down when I had my last big blowout. It was in September last year. Telling people I'm going off Instagram, mm. and which I obviously promptly came back to. Um, so yeah, I definitely do. Like I haven't made a new YouTube video in a week. Like I haven't been able to get myself into the kitchen to shoot a video because I'm like I don't even know what's the point. You know, yeah. like should I make a keto video? I, I have all these ideas, but like, are people going to watch it? And and the thing is on YouTube, and I guess this will also apply to every platform. Uh, is that even if you see all the people who give you like how to uh, get big on Instagram or how to, you know, optimize your YouTube channel or how to grow your channel in 2022, it's all about serving the audience, you know, um, which is very weird for me because as a musician, you're never serving the audience. You write music for yourself, mm. you know? And even when I did the keto recipes, I did them for myself, like, because I was on keto. And while, you know, the audience encouraged me to make more videos, I would pick recipes based on what I wanted, you know, but now it's like, I'm thinking I've got crab in the freezer. Should I even like bother making a crab recipe because it's going to get bad views because, you know, crab is not a popular meat. So like I, I used to do lamb recipes. Uh, we call it mutton in India because it's goat meat. We don't actually get sheep, but every mutton recipe would tank on YouTube. And I eventually I just stopped doing those recipes because I was like, it's, it's pointless, right? Like, you know, even if the dish is great, it's pointless because nobody's going to watch that video. Yeah. You know, do you ever collab with other YouTubers? I did one big uh, collab. I did like this channel takeover thing. So uh, it's, it's hard to collab because most of the keto influencers are kind of not in India and most of my audience is in America mm. and I'm in India. So to get things from brands and stuff also, it's, it's not generally easy. Uh, but what I did do is like my, one of my first collabs was with this uh, YouTube channel called Keto Connect. And we just made each other's recipes on our ch respective channels. And that was a fun collab. I have a, uh, made videos for other people's channels. So they've been like, Oh, we're doing this top five tips for keto. Can you give us one tip or something like that? So I've made those videos and sent it to them. And then on my channel, I had, uh, I think it was four of my, uh, uh, four YouTubers, keto YouTubers who I really like. I had them make a recipe video for my channel. So I gave them my channel to take over basically. So we did a headbangers kitchen takeover. So they would, start their video with horns up and welcome to headbangers kitchen. You know, this is keto savage and lady savage. And we're going to show you how to make our chicken soup today. And I uploaded this on my channel. So we did that kind of a collab, which was really fun. So yeah, I mean, where it, where it makes sense, I'm always up to collab with people. So why is TikTok banned in India? Do you know the oh, reason dude. behind it? Yes. So um, we had a border conflict with the Chinese. So basically like, uh, it's not reached the um, the extreme level that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is. But mm -hmm. basically, India has a lot of border issues because, you know, we've got Pakistan on one side, we've got Kashmir, which is a disputed area. And then you have the Chinese uh, army sort of pushing the border all the time. So there was some skirmish on the border with the Chinese. And, uh, well, we have our own version of Donald Trump in India. So, <laughs> Modi. yeah, so this... Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so his idea of, or the government's idea at that point of retaliating against China's uh, pushback on the, on the boundary. And uh, I, I think some soldiers were also killed at that time from, from our army and the way they thought they should retaliate is by banning Chinese apps. Mm. Again, you know, uh, I'll assume I mean, they cited security and, and you know, like uh, personal data and all, but they have 
personal data on pretty much everyone so uh, what what the real reason is we don't know but basically the solution was here are 60 chinese apps that are all banned in india now it's so wild yeah and that and it actually india had a massive massive uh tiktok audience and in fact tiktok actually like so india has a lot of uh, like the economic disparity is massive so the so something like like what what like, like even just a common example like going to a concert for example is a a very novel thing in india like your average person in india a concert is not a normal thing like mm. it's a it's a rich person's thing to go to a concert so tiktok kind of allowed everybody in india to be a creator because now everybody has a mobile phone you know mm-hmm. so like having a spotify account is something you only have in india if you've got money otherwise you your music used to come from the radio so now having a mobile phone for people in the villages and all and there are now indian music companies so they can actually listen to music through that so tiktok kind of allowed all these people to be creators and to reach an audience you know like instagram is a bit upmarket in india it's a bit like it didn't hit the masses you know like tiktok did for whatever reason yeah i know there's um cuz i do all the broadcasting of the podcast and there was like a i i go through a company called lisbon and they have a feed yeah. there's like an indian feed i'm trying to think of the name of the company cuz i guess it's different than like Because I guess what you're saying, like Spotify, is not readily available for everybody. Mm, yeah. There. So in India, we have Spotify now. Finally, like since it's been a year and a half, I think. Let me see if I can pull that thing up. But that's crazy the way you just think. Like here, you take everything for granted as far as you think everybody just has what we have. Because in like yeah. I know, like they were even talking about like, the whole Ukraine Russia thing. Like a lot of people over there don't know what's going on because the government is limiting what they can see. Because I just saw recently that. Russia banned Instagram. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I had a whole bunch of Russian musicians on my list posting that we may not see us after today so just you know uh yeah they posted some stuff so I was like okay uh, something is happening. Mm-hmm. I didn't know whether Russia was banning Instagram or Instagram was you know making sure that Russians didn't have access to it. I don't know like what the deal is but yeah basically I saw that yeah. Yeah, the feed that I'm talking about is, I don't know how to pronounce it but it's G A A N A. But apparently that's like a G? big, yeah. G is in Ghana. Yeah, but Ghana. Like so a, Ghana means song. Oh, Hindi. okay. Ghana is is the Hindi word for song. Yeah. So every time I look at the numbers, I see a lot of uh, India and uh, Pakistan will pop up through that feed. Yeah. So Ghana is a, is is one of the big uh, guys. Here. So the thing is, like in India, the the value of everything is way lower. So for example, you guys pay I think seven or eight dollars on iTunes if you were to buy an album. Mm-hmm. we pay 2 dollars oh okay like uh, like and and with 2 dollars like itunes and buying music is a, again it's a it's a rich man's thing in india like all these platforms that you talk about gana and savan and all they kind of they are sold with the uh, with the cell phone package oh, so how okay. you guys get a- atnt or whatever you buy like a data package and all that right mm mm-hmm. like you pay 15 dollars a month for 300 calls and 300 sms and so here in india when you buy that package from the uh, the provider like the vodafone or whatever you get these music packages with them that's crazy so what is yeah, life it's it's nuts what is life like in india like for some well, it depends where in india you live well it depends where you live <laughs> and depends your on your gender your religion your caste your economic status like everybody's life is different you know uh, so i live in a city uh, and i'm very i'm i'm definitely in the privileged category so for me it, it's pretty much like what it is for most people living in new york and london it's just that it's probably dirtier here a little more crowded a lot more poor people like you'll find a high rise building you know mm-hmm. uh, 20 30 floors with this plush offices and like absolutely crazy decor and a starbucks in the ground floor selling you know uh, all their coffees and people eating uh, salmon in a croissant <laughs> and then you step outside and there is like there are homeless people poor people who are there and there'll be people spitting on the road and uh, you know like the open garbage right outside like it's it's it is an assault on your senses for sure mm-hmm. 
but for us it's normal like if you if you've seen any of the photos of like the bombay trains like people literally hang out of the train on their daily commute it's crazy it's crowded and all but it's it's like city life it's 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 like what most people are doing so you have bars you have restaurants you have plays you have music you have concerts you have everything going on mm-hmm. then if you go to the the smaller towns it's a lot different but even even there things are catching up you know like um like western culture has definitely infiltrated like mcdonalds is now slowly like trying to reach the masses in india and make burgers and pizzas and like all these things are starting to become more normalized here where whereas earlier like they were city things you know or they were things like they only the sort of uh well to do would eat and associate with you know yeah so yeah it's it's, it's 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 an, it's definitely like something you have to really just experience like it's hard to explain it in in such a uh in a, in like an appropriate manner like it's just it's never going to do justice to like unless you're in the city and you're like then you're like okay now i know what 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 was meant by that do you do a lot of traveling or um, did you before the I, pandemic i guess not much that's uh, that's been my biggest struggle is like trying to book tours for the band so i mean i have traveled but not as much as i would have liked mm-hmm. with the band uh, and i do travel with my wife so we take a vacation or maybe two every year short ones you know or sometimes we, but but it's like limited travel has been done it's not like we're jet setting every month you know some new destination <laughs> you mentioned you went to thailand was that for the band or oh, yeah. personal no, no, that was personal. That that that's like my go-to holiday every year almost. <laughs> I've always wanted to go we to just, Thailand. Cuz I love the food there so it's a funny story. So I I went to Thailand uh in 2010 for like uh, a friend's bachelor party. There were like two friends or three friends getting married, so like a whole bunch of us guys just went to Thailand for like the bachelor party. And I fell in love with the food there and one night in my sleep, I actually woke up saying Bangkok duck and brown sauce, Bangkok duck and brown <laughs> sauce. So after my wife heard that, she took me to Bangkok as a surprise birthday gift because she was like, you literally talking about that duck in your sleep. So it's considered this a gift, me taking you to Bangkok for a holiday. And after that, we were just, we just every year or two years, we would go back to Bangkok and that just became like a repeat place for us to go to. Hmm. Do you ever go to the Maldives? Yes. In fact, we just went in the middle of the pandemic, like when that, uh, just before that third wave hit or something in March last year. So they had like, after a whole year of just being cooped up at home, uh, my wife was like, listen, I need to go. I need to get out of here. (laughs) And the Maldives was the only place open. And she had already like earlier, I think the previous year there was, so Maldives is really expensive. Like even for people in India who have a reasonable amount of money, it is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was, again, she, you know, she loves traveling. So she would travel every month if she could. So she's on constantly on these websites scouting for a good deal, you know, like for travel deals. So she had found one insane deal for the Maldives and she, it, it was one of those buy now and travel later. So she booked that. And then in March, uh, in 2020 March, we took uh, the trip. It was five days. And it, it was like, you pretty much anyway, you only stay on the island that your resort is on because you can't really travel around. There is nothing to travel and see, you know? Yeah. Um, so we got to, you couldn't go into the main city because of the COVID restrictions, but you go to the island, you get your test and you can walk around maskless at that time. They were the, I think the first people to get the vaccine was the Maldives, uh, hospitality industry you know so they were all vaccinated uh and was yeah it was just a really nice uh, chill holiday i am not sure it's something i would like go back to again because it's it's a very it's it's a unique holiday to say the least like so unless you're like totally like into scuba diving and snorkeling and all like uh food wise and all like on these resorts you mostly get like standard food you know there's no like local food and such so it, it it was a good relaxing holiday, but like not something I I'd be like dying to go back to. It's so like a going, one and done type thing, huh? Sorry? It's like a one and done type thing. You've done it and you know, move yeah. on to the next. Where's one place? Yeah, because there's Oh sorry, go ahead. No, I was like, because yeah, because there's so much else of the world to see. I agree with that thought process, man. 
where where's one place or where's a couple of places you want to go just because of the the food that they make man texas the brisket there i want to go to franklin's barbecue <laughs> like i have no i have no desire to actually visit america as a tourist like i want to come to america just to eat the food and to play shows cuz like those are the two reasons to come to america for me like new york i think is is a place i'd love to visit uh, for sure cuz new york seems to have like this insane food scene uh and texas of course for the barbecue and maybe chicago for the deep dish and of course if anybody else has any other recommendations i'm always <laughs> open to listening do you see this happening um, coming to america anytime soon uh, unlikely um because it is it's far away so like america uh, is i i feel like it's something i would want to wait and do like when i have like a tour happening so you know come to america right. do like a nice nice tour and then stay back for like a month or something and you know meet friends family travel around a bit uh and also i think like just in terms of uh traveling i think it makes sense to do a lot of the closer places to us uh and like keep america for slightly later on you know where's your now do you have any vacations planned coming up uh nothing yet i guess the travel restrictions are just slowly starting to open up so probably wait till around august and and maybe in august might go somewhere close by sri lanka bangkok something something nearby not not too far away you know right so um we usually end with uh our guest telling a piece of advice they have for people what would your mm-hmm. advice be for um our listeners Wow, I mean, <laughs> on, just on, on, yeah, just general, just life, you know, general, broad. Um, wow, that's a, that's a tough one. I feel almost like uh, one of those, um, one of those inspirational quotes from Instagram. <laughs> you know, like dance like no one's watching and <laughs> some some weird stuff. I don't know. You know, I guess just. Uh, just be a good human being i i think that's that's the most important thing you know and uh, be nice to other people uh, live your life with no regrets and uh, take every day as your last and you know don't don't not do things that you want to do because you're afraid of something take a risk every once in a while and you know yeah live life to the fullest well said man do you um realize the impact you might be having on people um Sometimes, I guess, you know, um, like I, I obviously, I, I read the comments every day, every morning on YouTube. Um, but sometimes it's, 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 it's like I read that I'm there and, and they're saying the nicest things and I'm like, I, somehow it just does not feel real. Like, like even, like I'm just like, yeah, me, I didn't do anything. Like I just made recipe videos, like it's just food. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I'm glad I'm really glad that it helps people and and it makes me really happy to to read that and to know that you know and it's definitely something that keeps me going uh, every day you know to read those comments and, and that's literally what pushed me when I started out is like the fact that people just even if it was not like you changed my life it was just like hey man that recipe looks delicious I'm like man that's enough to get me to go and make the next one you know yeah right I think that's a good motivating factor when you don't get the views that you think you should get because yeah. you never know like who may see your video and then that person could share it with somebody and then you get like a billion fucking views off that one share. You know, it like, really is like we're all connected one way or the other. And um, yeah, just by putting good shit out there in the world, especially during the times we're in right now. I mean, I think the world is not as bad as everybody wants it to seem like it is. But but you have yeah. good content, you know, having a good personality, putting out good shit. You know, I think that's beneficial for everybody. I mean, somebody in Memphis saw your stuff from miles away, and that's where I all saw your stuff. Yeah, true. So, I mean, I love wow. it. I Thanks, appreciate. Man. I appreciate all the stuff you post, man. It's you know, I just um, I, I I went to your page. I think the other day because one of my friends was asking, like, what do you do when you want ice cream and and pizza? I was like, I go to hit. <laughs> I you know, I so I just said the <laughs> website. I was like, man, I'm telling you, he's got every kind of food on there, man. Like whatever you're looking for, he has it on there. And it's so true because, you know, it's hard, like we said earlier, to stay in ketosis. It's hard to eat keto, you know, and if people have, if people can watch 
a 15 minute video or what, you know, some of them a little bit longer, some of them shorter, but if they could just watch it and make what you're making and it turn out the way you made it look, they're going to keep yeah. on making it and they're going to love that for you. You know, they're going to love you for that forever. Yeah. Thanks. Because, you know, when, when we buy pre-made keto stuff, it's expensive. You know that, like, you know, like when you buy yeah. like a pre-made pe- uh, keto crust, I think Thin Slim Foods makes them. And it's like mm-hmm. zero carb pizza. I mean, zero carb crust. It's like twelve dollars a crust for like nine inches or something like that. And that's like that gets expensive, well, man. That's expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? So I don't know. I, I thank you. I appreciate you. And, Thanks, Ben. Um, well, where can uh, people find you? Oh well, I'm on all social media. So if you're looking for Headbangers Kitchen, just type it in Facebook search or Google search or Instagram search, wherever you whatever platform you use. But otherwise, I'm I mean, headbangerskitchen.com kind of has everything that you need. Like you'll find everything there. Oh man, I forgot. Uh, tell us about your book. Sorry, I completely forgot about that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I mean. The book just kind of happened. I, I don't know how like this company found me and they, they got in touch with me. I think it was 2017 and they're like, can you make like, we we want you to give us 10 dessert recipes and we have like 400 other recipes. We'd like you to select 90 of them and convert them into keto and also write like a whole bunch about keto. And the thing is, I actually hate writing. So my wife is actually a journalist. So she's like, just take it, dude. I'll help you. And like, let's do it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. She's like, so we, we, I mean, we, we did the book and um, then I think that was the first book I did. Then they got in touch with me. Like, do you want to do a barbecue book? I was like, no, man, I can't sit and do this again. Like, cause it wasn't my book. It was, they wanted me to again, take some recipes, convert them. I was like, I think I'll pass now. And then they got back. Again, after a couple of months, they're like, hey, so we're doing another book. Uh, can you give us 30 recipes of yours and 30 photographs? I said, okay. They were, they offered me a decent amount of money for it. So I was like, okay, I can do that. And that was my first actually official, uh, f- like first time, I guess I'm officially a photographer also. So a published photographer. Nice. I can put it on my resume. Yeah. So I did that book. And I, at the same time, I said, look, uh, what do you guys think about doing a headbangers kitchen book? So they said, okay, let's do it. And they made me an offer and uh, I was happy with that. And immediately after I finished those 30 recipes, we did the work for my book. This was uh, Feb of 2018. And then in August of 2018 or September, my book came out called Keto Life. Nice. And I'm assuming we can get that on Amazon. You can get it everywhere. It's actually an American publisher. So it's in Barnes and Noble and all your bookshops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for... Thank you Tony, for having me. Tony, you have something? Do you sell merch? Yeah. Again, everything is listed uh, on YouTube or on my website. So if you watch my videos on YouTube, there's a merch shelf under each video. So you should be able to see all the, the merch we have. We've got t-shirts, mugs, all sorts of stuff. I really like your logo. That's what I was asking. Oh. Hey, we got... And I got merch for my band as well. And in fact, they all... Uh, print-on-demand shops based in America and they ship worldwide. So they actually have an operation in Europe and in America as well. So if you order from Europe, they, your shipping is lower because they print it in Europe and send it to you. God bless you. you have a lot and of if you're in America, your yeah. Do you use uh, is it? Do you use Shopify? Or what? No, so Shopify you have to, uh, is it, a little more complicated because you are running your shop, your own shop. You're oh, not... Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I would have to then invest, print T-shirts, have a warehouse and have the shipping. And Shopify is just the design front for it and the payment gateway. Whereas here, these guys are the manufacturers. So uh, I just like even you can do it for your podcast. You just upload your logo, put it on a T-shirt, on a mug, whatever. Uh, you pay zero rupee, zero dollars for it. Uh, somebody orders it, you get a commission and, and the sale is made and they print it and send it to the person. What, what is what this company? Called? What company is it? It's called Teespring. T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G. Teespring. Teespring. Yeah, there, there are like a million of these in America uh, that do print on demand, basically. You you just you create an account, you go, you upload your artwork, you select the products, it'll tell you, okay, the t-shirt that you're making is going to cost $11 to print. If you, if you sell it for $15, you'll make $4. You sell it for $20, you make $9, and 
that's that's you you choose the selling price this is oh, the wow. cost to you. that's amazing literally yeah because i was and that is the that go ahead that is the future i think for merch like at least for smaller uh smaller people like who are not going to like you know like unlike uh i don't know if you guys know mr beast i'm sure yeah. you do youtuber yeah like if you're a mr beast you know you're going to sell 300,000 t-shirts you can print them it's not a problem you know but like i don't know if i'm going to sell one t-shirt in a month or five t-shirts in a month so i don't want to sit on stock that you know may or may not sell so this way i don't have to worry about having like you know i could make 50 t-shirts and i could sell out all the mediums and i'm stuck with 20 small so if there's a guy with medium he's not going to be able to buy it because only smalls are left so this way like this eliminates all the risk and so even all- if you make us Yeah, oh, they do everything. They, they do all the shipping and everything too. So that that's also yes, amazing. Yes, shipping returns. So yeah. even I've had people who have ordered not receive the parcel. The company has made a duplicate order and sent it to the person. So they handle oh, wow. everything. Wow. I'm gonna, I'm going to look into this for sure. Yeah, that's legit right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Once another another benefit of you putting your shit online and he found you. Yeah. Now you <laughs> yeah. Some information. Yes, you're going to get your first merch up and running <laughs> in the next 15 minutes after this podcast ends. <laughs> yeah. Thanks man. Appreciate you coming on. Anytime. All right man. Love you lots. Bye. Thanks so much guys. Thanks. Bye. Cheers.